The times we're living now are unprecedented and novel. Those are the words I keep hearing on the news, but it's true. We're living in an era right now where not only our health concerns are changing, but everything. And along with these changes, a metric ton of things to be concerned about. This week on Behind Every Story, what are you most worried about in the COVID-19 environment? What's up, everybody? My name is Jason, and this is Behind Every Story. If this is your first time with us, let me explain what's happening. I love stories. From books to films, comic books to songs, sitting around a campfire with some friends, or being enveloped with a story in an audience. I love hearing people's stories, and even more than that, I love hearing the stories behind those stories. This show is the proverbial director's commentary on the movie of life. This is episode 7 of 50 of the COVID-50. This week we're discussing everyone's concerns and worries about living in the environment of the COVID-19 pandemic. There is so much happening right now and so much changing that what we thought the world was going to be yesterday isn't going to be the same thing as it is tomorrow. From businesses shutting down record-shattering numbers of unemployment and people dying from this virus. Truth be told, it's a pretty scary time. And really, no one knows what's going to be happening next. We all have hopes. We all have our fingers crossed that this will blow over sometime very soon. But I remember when it first started and people were saying, well, it's only going to be like two or three weeks or maybe a month at the most, and then everything will go back to normal. That was literally four weeks ago from when I'm recording this. A month. How much can change in a month? So when I was writing these questions, this was the very first question I wrote. What has you concerned? What has you worried about living in the COVID-19 pandemic time? And how I phrased it to everyone is, we're literally in a lockdown, a social lockdown. We're social distancing ourselves from everyone else to make sure that no one else gets this disease and everyone is kept safe. Some of the answers I got were deep and thoughtful. Some of the answers were eye-opening. Some of the answers were a little sad. My own answers, well, I have two. The first one that concerns me the most are best described by Tommy Lee Jones in the movie Men in Black. All right, kid, here's the deal. At any given time, there are around 1,500 aliens on the planet, most of them right here in Manhattan. And most of them are decent enough. They're just trying to make a living. Cab drivers. Not as many as you'd think. Humans, for the most part, don't have a clue. They don't want one or need one either. They're happy. They think they have a good bead on things. Well, why, why the big secret? People are smart. They can handle it. A person is smart. People are dumb, panicky, dangerous animals, and you know it. 1,500 years ago, everybody knew the Earth was the center of the universe. 500 years ago, everybody knew the Earth was flat. And 15 minutes ago, you knew that people were alone on this planet. When I go grocery shopping, I find myself talking to people in the aisles, striking up conversations, even though we're at six feet away. And I find myself thanking the cash registers and the people who are working there. 
but this is nothing out of the ordinary. I love doing this anyway. I love striking up conversations with people I don't know. I love letting people know that they're valued and that I appreciate everything they do. But during these times, I'm seeing more people respond in almost a happier way, which is a bright, shiny silver lining. However, I'm seeing more of the opposite. I'm seeing more people be socially obtuse to everyone else around them. People just being inconsiderate. People trying to get their own way before everyone else. And that has me a little concerned. The whole concept of the social distancing is to help everyone else. And when people are just out for themselves, you're not only going to cause a rift in the idea that we are trying to save everyone through this social distancing aspect, but also you're kind of bringing everyone else down in this time frame where our emotions are already teetering on the edge of being very raw. So I think it's very important now more than ever to be socially conscious of how you're acting around other people. Be kind, be polite. In Will Wheaton's words, don't be a dick. The other aspect that has me worried or concerned is my work. And this is selfish. This is my selfish worry, but it's constantly weighing on me. I'm a video producer. I create films, I create videos, wedding films, commercials, promo videos, personal videos, anything that gets thrown at me, I love doing. And 2020 was starting to shape up to be an extremely good year. I was having work left and right, I had no downtime, and then all of a sudden this virus hit and work's gone. Not only that, but I've lost scheduled work that I was supposed to have for the year. Videos were canceled, dates were canceled, some have been postponed and changed to new dates, which means a loss of income because I can't use that date for something else now. And I know this is happening the world over, everyone's going through it, and honestly, that's really the only thing that's really keeping me together and sane right now, is knowing that other people are in this shit show with me at the same time. And even more fun than that is hearing the amazing lawnmowers going on outside right now, which actually, while sounds like shit for the podcast, I will admit it does kind of brighten my mindset because it's making me think that no matter how shitty something is, the world is still going on. The world is still happening. And people are still doing their thing. Which, to be completely honest, I've been trying to muffle this the entire time. I've been moving the mic around my office, trying to hide this sound coming in. And now it's almost like, you know that sound when you go outside for the first snow of the year? and it's quiet, it's blanketed, it's this beautiful sound. And in that quietness, you can almost hear glass tinkling, like crystals colliding miles and miles away. And it's just this beautiful reminder that the world is there, that you're in this world. So hearing this lawnmower in the background, which again, at first, kind of bothered me, is now kind of making me feel at ease. It's also kind of making me think that maybe I should go out and mow my own lawn. 
While living through the recession of 2008, it was dark times. It changed a lot. And of course, this is when I left grad school and started my career. And a lot of people have lived through this. A lot of people have survived through this. So do I think I'll survive as a business? Do I think my business will thrive? Yes, but not immediately. Video is often a luxury in people's lives and in the world of business. And video is often the first thing cut when budgets are lower. But I do have a really cool plan once things calm down. And I think that's kind of the ongoing mindset is when things calm down. And I keep telling myself that when things calm down, when things get back to normal. And I think that's something we need right now, that hope, that finish line. And the thing that's scaring me the absolute most is not knowing where that finish line is. Before we begin, a note of warning. The topics we discuss on this show may not be suitable for all audiences. The podcast deals with real people, real stories, and real situations. These stories may contain and deal with graphic language, adult themes, sexual content, and violence. Listener discretion is advised. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to hear from everyone else about their thoughts, feelings, worries, and concerns about the COVID-19 pandemic. We are Lauren and Ryan. We are wedding photographers, and we are from Chicago, Illinois. During this time period of COVID-19, um, certainly tensions are, are really high. And what scares me the most about it is, is has nothing to do with the virus. It has to do with human behavior. Uh, put simply, um, humans don't know how it seems not to panic. And they also don't know how to follow things when there's still recommendations. It almost seems like until the government's there with a gun in our face saying, get in your house and don't leave, people won't take it seriously. And, uh, and, and my bigger concern is always, you know, how will the people react to, you know, a sudden outbreak that, that causes a disruption in services or, uh, you know, any, any disruption. My, my issue is that, you know, civility, you know, is, is so frail, right? We're protected by police. Uh, we're protected by government. We're protected by one another. But, you know, it, when people start getting hungry, uh, or desperate, or fearful, or panicked, they can really, really get into this, uh, you know, almost a herd mentality, and and you know where they trample over everybody, and, mm -hmm. and things can start. That's that's my main fear, and and that's where it's been on the positive side. Uh, I've seen so many people come together through this. That that's not that attitude. That's not that panicked attitude. People keeping a level head, and that really gives me hope. You know, but as far as fear of the disease itself, I fear for our old people. I fear for our, you know, young people who may have, uh, you know, any type of issues or diseases or immunocompromised things going on. Uh, those people I fear for, but I'm not scared of the virus personally myself. I'm scared of our mm -hmm. reaction to the virus. Mm -hmm. What are you guys doing to brighten your days during this? During this time, we're brightening our day by just really enjoying our time together. Um, we are going for little walks and we have been kind of doing like more of like the forest preserve, um, trying to be able to still get out. We're really remaining 
relatively positive. We're actually in a pretty good place um, where we do have money saved. We're one of the lucky few that we're like, okay, well, we have money saved. We feel okay, right? So mm-hmm. we're trying to do our best to keep everybody in light spirits, trying to spend time with our family, trying to just make the best out of it um, and still remain working and staying active. Uh, with the COVID-19 thing, I can't say that I am scared of it. I will respect it. Um, I think that's the biggest thing. I will respect it to a point. Yeah, I, I shit post memes and stuff like that. But that's, you know, that's more just whistling in the graveyard. Uh, because you got to respect this thing. The fact is people are dying. Um, and the thing is that if I was to catch it, more than likely I wouldn't die. But... You know, my wife works in elder care, and what if I was to pass it on to her? And what if she was to pass it on to somebody's grandma? All right, then I'd feel like a dick. Um, so I think that's why people need to respect it. Just do, you know, do what you're supposed to be doing. Um, yeah, I'm not going to say anything else because y'all know what to do. <laughs> so in this time period, what are you doing to brighten your days? Uh, Nothing. I am very bad at self-care. <laughs> I'm pretty much just like dragging my feet and yeah, just like being a bored kid. <laughs> just a lot of moaning out loud, going, Meh, I'm bored and stuff. But uh, yeah, that that's, that's about it. <laughs> Like, I'm just at the point. I, I'm antsy to do stuff, but I can't do stuff. And that's what sucks. So I don't want to do anything then. My name is Sean. I am a showman and entertainment business owner. And I am from Chicago. Well, I, I don't really consider it a lockdown because I'm still able to leave my house and I don't have to, like, fear my life yet. So, I mean, I do like there are places like in India, like that place is in lockdown because the police are literally parading the streets. And if you're on the street, they literally beat you with a stick to make you go home. I Um, haven't heard this. Oh, there are videos, sir. There are mass videos on the interwebs that you can see. uh, Just research India lockdown and you (laughs) will find like people on their scooters. And then, like, cops stopping them just so they can, like, beat them with a stick and tell them that they have to go home. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, I, I don't really consider it us to be in a complete lockdown yet because we haven't gone to, like, crazy extremities yet. But, um, you know, it, it right now it's just it, it's just a very interesting. It's just, you know, last time anything like this has happened is since is like the Spanish influenza, which was 100 years ago. And, you know we are well advanced to, you know, kind of deal with this ordeal uh, right now. But um, I just feel like it hasn't gone into extreme lengths yet. So it's, you know, I'm, I'm taking it as seriously as I can and trying to limit any reason for me to have to leave my house. But obviously uh, in two weeks I'll be starting this job with Amazon delivery and which I'm just excited to work. Um, and try and bring in some money while this whole thing is going in. So, uh, yeah, um, 
I, I think I answered your question. I don't even know anymore. <laughs> what are you doing to brighten your days during this time? Well, I that's why I love the internet, um, just because uh, I have my sister gave me her login to Disney Plus. I don't know if you, you might want to edit that out, actually, but um, yeah, I I've gotten a Disney Plus access, and I have been rewatching Boy Meets World because nothing is. No, nothing is better than Mr. Feeney reteaching you life. So um, uh, I've I've forgot how amazing that show is. Uh, but even better is get, getting um, redoing the MCU chronological binge. So uh, my next movie is Captain America: Winter Soldier, and I'm I'm pretty excited. My name is Michael, and I'm a photographer-videographer in the Naperville area. So nothing scares me about this. This is... Okay, I said I wasn't going to say this, but here it goes. So um, I want to just kind of bring some things to light before I start talking about the real issue, just so we're kind of gossip context built up to make the next logical step, which is what I'm going to explain. But there are things that would have gotten to us by now if it wasn't for COVID. Um, a big example is what a lot of people have been doing, which is financial engineering, which is buying their own stocks so that the rest of the stockholders um, raise the value of the little stock that's left still out in the world. So example is if a company has a thousand share options out, buys 800 of them, 200 are left. Now those 200 have the same value as what it would have been for the thousand that were out. Boeing did that. Um, Starbucks did that. Uh, the Frito-Lay company did that. Um, it's, it's very detrimental because they actually take out debt to do that. And that's so that they can rise their stock prices so that their shareholders get better returns. And that at the end of the day, they um, can look good without having to spend the R and D or the R and D money to do that. But the problem is, is that that debt is crippling. It's very bad for them because there is no direct correlation for them to actually make more money. So they just took out debt only to try to make other people happy, which is kind of like if you bought a new car knowing you can't finance the car, and then you realize the car is less valuable after a couple of years, once you realize it, it wasn't really worth it anything. And that's kind of what it's like. We're going through, we're going to be going through the same thing we went through in 2008, just with businesses. And it's going to be extremely frustrating to go through that. Um, along with that, there are other problems that have systemically hurt the, I want to say the younger generation, which is millennials. I think me and you are in the same boat, but things like the pen, the pension funnel, which is very detrimental to us because we were taking off. We are not going to get pensions because financially it wouldn't make sense for us. And we are being forced by our partner, or I should say our head companies to put in 401ks, which are not like pensions. And then we still have to pay pensions for the the people who are living now, which mm -hmm. the problem is, is that those people were not supposed to live to 90 years old. And now they're getting checks because they're getting to that point. But when they put those things in place, the idea was, I don't want to say they were going to die off in a bad way, but we were not supposed to be paying for them because they would have already passed through. And then mm -hmm. because these jobs are now 
they have to stay in these jobs because the pensions are not even enough. Now the new socioeconomic uh, factor is that now we got all these educated educated people, young people who can't get new jobs because the old people can't get out of their jobs. So it's just a funnel. At this point, this is probably the best thing that's happened to young people since you know, I, I don't know, since Netflix, like this has really been a very good time for us. If we would have lo- like sat down and said, for example, um, Warren Buffett said nine months ago that he was going to hold 80% his wealth in cash. Everybody thought that was very scary, but really he was saying that he knew that everything was overpriced and is bad in the market because he could see these buybacks and see these problems with bad loans. And on top of that, he could see that his young people can't even get work. So he knows, and many other companies did know, but obviously not big investors, only Warren Buffett and some of the, I would like to say the the circle of five or circle of 10 or whoever that circle is, knew that this was a systemic problem that we couldn't break until something similar to this were have put a wrench into this. Now that we have this wrench, we have a problem where some states are saying, hey, the older generation might have to go so that the young generation can stay, which I'm not saying is the way to go. I really want my parents to live and I want everybody's parents to live. And I would like nothing but for them to retire and then walk into the sunset. But Mm. the thing is, is people have taken out bad loans, businesses, students alike, And now we're at that point where the students, if they had the money, they could get out of their socioeconomic situation, invest it into these things, these portfolios that the only the rich and the old people could afford at the time when they were available and we were too young to understand those situations. Now we could get into those because they're too scared to be in those and we could take over that systemic wealth and then get to another point. But the problem is, is that people like me have a very hard time getting to those young people. And the other thing is those young people don't have that kind of money to invest into their future because they don't have the jobs. Mm -hmm. So it is a circle. Now, for me, fortunately, I never went to college. I started a business. I stockpiled a ton of money so that I can invest into this particular time. And I've seen double growth. I've been seeing double digit growths in my money for the last two weeks. And the only way I could be able to do that is understanding the financial tools that were only allowed to the elite and the older people that I can now finally get into. That's it. My name is Stella. I am a person that works with people, specifically sometimes as an event planner, and I'm from Chicago. I'm most scared of, um, you know, passing it along to somebody else without realizing I have it. Um, I don't have it that I know of, but I think that's what I'm most scared of um, is just being a, what do they call that? A a carrier of it. Mm. And like looking at, could we have so many people in our building, in our neighborhood? And that, I think that's what I'm most scared of right now. What are you doing to brighten your days? Uh, getting on Facebook Live and being ridiculous and <laughs> and wearing my really cool top bun of the day. Uh, it's fabulous. Um, really, I think the, the way that I am happiest is making other people happy. So if I can, 
if I'm feeling stressed or nervous or scared, my goal is to is to ask how others are doing and to really get, you know, get immersed and help them. And that'll make me feel better. And then I'll have my panic attack later and have my flaming hot Cheetos. NBD. <laughs> <laughs> no picks. It's all good. <laughs> My name is Mark Allen Fishman. I'm an artist and comedian. I am from Homewood, Illinois. I am not personally scared, um, but I understand and respect why people are. Um, They just said Chicago is going to be the next big city to get hit like New York is being hit right now. Um, What is keeping me, uh, we'll just say for a lack of a better term, centered is knowing that as this virus itself, how it shows up and, you know, that it's basically a very aggressive flu that um, my hope obviously is everybody in my own house continues to remain safe and healthy. And that should, God forbid, we, any of us come down with it, that we will do everything that we need to to combat it. I just think that um, level heads are better than um, panicking about it. And any amount of being scared, I, I would say that, you know, obviously I work from home. I'm very lucky in that manner. My wife is not that lucky. Uh, she's going in only a reduced amount of time right now, three days a week. And it's only knowing that she is avoiding contact with everybody that she's going with that keeps me feeling like this is going to be fine uh, in that I will continue to pay attention to the news. I will continue to listen to everything that's being told to me about it. And um, I live with a lot of hope. So I'm going to stay on that side and I want to get out on the other side of this. And I'm very interested to see what the world looks like when all of this is lifted, whenever that might be. What are you doing right now to brighten your days? I wish I had a better answer to say I'm doing anything special, but I'm not. Um, honestly, I'm basically just doing the same things I've been doing uh, for as long as I can remember in the recent past. Uh, I work from home already five days a week, and I've got just uh, any number of active projects that I am working on at any given time. All of those projects in and of themselves provide me some level of escape, some level of joy in different parts of, you know, my being, I would say if there is one thing that is out of the ordinary that I'm working on, that is very interesting to me personally, something that I had not really planned on. And this is like off the beaten path is I'm getting back into, or at least attempting to get back into some fine art Um, in college. I, chose the medium of woodcut by complete happenstance. But um, that was one of those really cathartic experiences that, you know, should another question lead us there, I'll happily tell it. But long story short, I tripped over this medium that many people don't really do anymore. And uh, for some reason, it just vibes with me. And I've not, I've literally not done a woodcut since I graduated college, which is far enough away now, I think 16 years. So uh, there was a chance uh, this is pre pandemic for an art show celebrating 
uh, the 20-year anniversary of graduating high school. And basically, I was trying to set up all of the people in my AP class. There was about eight or nine of us. And I was trying to convince everybody to submit a piece of art, like have us all, wherever we are in our lives, come back to something that I thought brought all of us joy and and brought eight very different individuals into a proximity with one another to have a shared experience that really was special and not something that a lot of people share in, especially in high school in a class level. I mean, there's always artists, but it's rare that you have a group of them. And, um, you know, I basically said, well, maybe the way I can convince some of these folks to do it is by really taking a deep dive and attempting something I've not done in a long time. So, um, I took a lot of steps to make a piece of artwork that, um, regardless of whether or not it gets shown, will have a lot of meaning to me. And uh, doing it in a process that I've never done before, so spending a lot of time thinking and testing and, and getting my way through it. And it's a big piece. So I'm working on that a little bit at a time. And I know that it's it's what I want to be doing because it's one of those projects and hopefully artists listening will agree with me. It's the kind of thing where I'll just add two or three lines, feel really good about it, then put it away. I'm really, I'm really excited by it. And I'm still, I'm just in a, a stage right now where I'm just transferring the original drawing. So um, I don't even know if it's going to turn out yet. I have to finish tracing back over everything I've drawn. Then I get to peel it away and see if the transfer worked. And then if that works, I get to trace it all again. <laughs> but it's worth it. There's there's a method to the madness. And that's uh, one of the big, you know, when you talk about contentedness, um, it's getting into that groove, that zone. Woodcut is something unlike any other creative endeavor I've taken where it forces me to have to put on music, turn my brain off and just do, which for me is very hard. So my name is Rob. I am a content creator and content marketer, and I am from the Midwest in America. Fear for my daughter's future. That's the thing that keeps me up at night. Uh, what's going on right now doesn't scare me. I look at it and go, you know what? People need to stay home. People need, people need to wash their hands. People need to do things that will keep other people safe. So once again, we go back to needs of the many versus needs of the few. The needs of the many are great right now. The needs of the few, yeah, your need to go to Krispy Kreme should be set aside so that you're not spreading a virus. Whether you have it or not, you potentially are spreading the virus. So the needs of the many have to outweigh the needs of the one, right? Uh, the thing that scares me is what my daughter's future looks like. She has a bright future. She's brilliant. She's extremely gifted. I know anything can change in a heartbeat, right? But because of what's going on here, her world is going to be very different than the world that you and I know. And do I think that should stop her? No, absolutely not. Full steam ahead around here. But I am worried about it. And I am scared of what the world will look like 
should people not make the right choices as far as keeping each other safe? And once again, you go back to laws and all that, the laws and the rules that are going to start coming in. What if we end up like China where they're, they're, they're monitoring the individual so heavily that what they consider an infraction can ruin your life? That could be the path we're going to because of regulations that are going to come about because of this pandemic. That's the kind of stuff that worries me. My name is John. I'm an artist and a locksmith. I am from the west suburbs of Chicago. I mean, I can be serious. I'm sure everyone's serious, but like, I, me personally, I've had a lot of ups and downs with it, right? Like, um, what's I'm, I accept that I'm going to die. I don't know if that's going to be in this pandemic or when I'm an old man or what I think most likely when I have a grabber in my early fifties, like, um, I, I accept it. It took me a lot, most of my life to be okay with death. Right. So I'm not particularly scared for myself in that regard. Um, I am, I am afraid of spreading it just like, you know, other people are about spreading it to older family members and such. Um, uh, but if I'm being real serious, I mean, um, one of the scariest things is that like, I can't believe how fast the world changed. Like, mm, you know, uh, I know I've said it multiple times, but I'm 37 I was a uh, I was in college, you know, um, during 9/11. That was probably the the now that's not like the second biggest event that's happened in my life, and the number one is this pandemic, because even 9/11 and all the stuff that that led to, that didn't change um, the everyday existence of everyone's life. And from what I'm seeing and what I've experienced, like this shit's changed everything and um i don't feel the actual pandemic is going to last forever of course it just scientifically can't but i uh am afraid uh that what's started with this um i mean it can either go good or go bad uh, so i'm afraid of like what the future holds um because i've just never seen this kind of something on this scale before in my lifetime. So, and I don't, nobody has, you know, there's, it's literally a 50, 50 shot. We're like, this could be the wake up call that changes everything for the better. Or this is the opportunity for everything to get worse. You know what I mean? That's how I feel about it. So during this time, what are you doing to brighten your days? Say what? (laughs) 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 What? (laughs) <laughs> oh, am I supposed to be doing that? I'm not supposed to just be dwelling in darkness. Um, well, now I'll put myself on the pedestal. I am what's known as an essential worker. Uh, so luckily, quote unquote, luckily, I still go to work every day, uh, Monday through Friday. Um, but we're slow, dead as hell, you know, um, during all this. But um, 
But I can tell you that, like, despite still going to work, um, I do feel the isolation, you know. And uh, so things that I'm doing, uh, besides playing a disgusting amount of video games, <laughs> like, it's rough, man. I love my video games. And, and always in the back of my mind is, like, I wish I had more time for video games. And now I've beaten, like, three Mega Mans in a row. Oh. <laughs> and I'm playing something. I'm playing Ori in the... Uh, the never mind. I'm playing a game called Ori and the Will of the Wisps on Xbox, and I'm yeah. like, yeah, yeah, oh, it's dope. But it's like, yikes. So something that uh, sets me apart from what I'll refer to as the normies, uh, which is all people <laughs> who aren't artists, <clears throat> is that I'm an artist, right? So besides video games and and YouTube binges and the occasional movie, um. The this month of March, like since uh, the pandemic's been going, like I've been working on art a lot and a lot more than I was in previous months. So usually I try to focus and I'm like, oh, I should do a big project or I should make like a masterpiece or I should make a comic book or whatever. Um, but I've been finding it hard to focus. We can't analyze and make art about what's happening right now because we're still in it. Mm -hmm. Um, But like my nervous energy about our current situation uh, means that like, I just need to do something. I have to do something. Um, So I've been drawing portraits of serial killers and cult leaders. Yes. Uh, um, And putting them on Instagram. And I've been doing live streams uh, on Instagram of me creating some of the pieces to help entertain the, uh, the troops uh, as it were, you know? Mm -hmm. Oh, and I didn't mean to offend everyone who I called a normie, but you're all totally (laughs) normies. Okay. Do something creative. You catch potatoes. What are you doing without your sports now? Huh? My name is Zach. I am an IT professional. I am from Aurora, Illinois, but I live in Fort Worth, Texas. Uh, People not following recommendations. Um, The whole stay home, you know, it was like, it's like we're teaching fourth graders here. Like, this is how you do this. This is how you do that. Like, yes, we want to go outside. And yes, we want to go hang out with our friends. And we want to do all of these things. But in order to stop the spread of this virus, we have to stay at home. Um, I was one of those early people who said, no, this is stupid, it'll pass. Um, And now I'm kind of looking at the data and seeing that we've got a few more weeks before we even hit a downturn. Um, I honestly would like us to be in a downturn sometime in May. So if we can stay home all of April, maybe in May, we'll start to see a downturn. We'll see less new cases and more recoveries. But then that means that all of May and maybe even into June, we're still dealing with this. You know, I'd really like to see this go away, you know, so we can go to the beach in the summer. But uh, we just kind of need to listen to the scientists, not the news, the scientists. And, you know, the people at the CDC that are, you know, figuring things out. And kind of go on their recommendations, not the president, not the media, definitely not the government. Just listen to the people who do this every day and kind of go off of their recommendations and then you know, kind of move forward from there. It's it's hour by hour, day by day at this point. What are you doing to brighten your days during this? 
I mean, I still see my parents. Uh, you know, I, I get to, they, they live close enough where I get to go make sure they have what they need and to take care of them. It's kind of the excuse I use. Um, I try not to, but it's, it's, uh, my dad just had his knee replaced. So it's really easy to say, Hey, okay, he needs help. You know, whether it's mowing the lawn or making dinner or whatever around the house. So that's kind of where I get to leave the house for a couple hours once a week or, you know, twice a week or whatever it may be. Um, and that's kind of where I find the brightness and the happiness because it gets boring I, uh, really quick. I mean, I work an interesting shift six to two. So at two o'clock, I'm done for the day and there ain't a whole lot to do after that. So um, just other than organizing and cleaning like every other American or every other person on the planet, you know, once that's done, it's, it's, you know, what can you do? You just kind of got to find things. You've got to, you just got to find something to, to, you know, keep you, keep you sane. Hello, my name's Dan. Uh, I'm a cartoonist, mixed media artist from Cambridge, UK. Probably the fact that where I am, a lot of, uh, there was a lot of panic buyers and for quite some time there wasn't a lot of stock on the shelves um, and people like myself and my mum who's over 70 have been told to just stay in the house and not go out. So for me the scariest I'd say is starvation. <laughs> but we've, there's people helping out and everything so. Do you think you would starve? It, not, not at the minute, but it was a very real possibility at one point, yeah. Because, uh, you know, everybody in the country has been getting help from the government um, unless you're over 70 or on a particular welfare. Uh, and then they just left you to it. And what with the panic buying and lack of money, it, it was just like, well, you know, if the virus doesn't kill me, then starvation might. But it's looking a bit brighter at the minute, so... How is the government helping you? Well, they're not at the minute. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah. A few people have banded together. Who has? Who's banded to, together? People, really. They, you know, there's there's people online offering to help each other. Uh, I've got a couple of friends and my niece that have offered to help drop food off and whatnot. Really? Yeah. Do you think that during this time people are being brought together more? Uh, to some degree, yeah. I think the bigger question would be, do you think after this does blow over, because I think it will blow over, um, do you think people will be more kind to each other or do you think there's going to be like a backlash? I, I honestly couldn't say. I mean, I, I, I personally, I think everybody's going to go, let's go back to normal, let's go back to normal. And going back to normals just sounds shit to me because normal was crap before and it needs to be changed for the better anyway. So fingers crossed for the treating each other better part? Yeah, hopefully, yeah. Hopefully everyone sort of wakes up to this and realises it's not the billionaires that make society, it's the little people on the front line. Absolutely is. So you're dealing with starvation or the possibility of... Possibility of, yeah. You're dealing with a high susceptible because you have an, under, an underlining condition uh stage three kidney failure stage so, three kidney failure yeah high risk of infection high risk of infection that's it what are you doing 
to brighten your days? Um, well, I have a comic strip that I was making, um, and I've kind of bumped that up to once a day, so that's keeping me busy. Um, I'm helping a guy over your side of the pond actually do a cartoon punk band podcast as well. And, yeah, just keeping busy, really, playing guitar, eat whatever I can, and that's it. Try not to think about it. So you know you're going to have to plug your your podcast and your comic so people can read it and listen to it. What's your comic? Uh, Strange Hill. Strange Hill comic, yeah. It's basically a UK version of South Park. Well, that's what I'm aiming to be. It's uh, The comic is my way of learning how to develop characters and tell a story. Um, and I'm doing that with the comic, so there's lots of fourth wall breaks and we're all learning together, me and the characters. Where can they find it? Um, Facebook, Twitter, just Strange Hill Comic. Strange Hill Comic. Yeah. And your podcast? Um, well, that's not my podcast. I'm just sort of the artist on it at the minute, but that's... Um, uh, it's not even going to be out soon, but it's uh, Super Punk Tonics. My name is Brandon. I am a software developer. I am from Elgin, Illinois. Living in this current pandemic, there are two things. No, there's a few things, actually. So let's just, let's just go through the list of things that scare me the most living in this pandemic. Uh, the first is obvious that someone I care about will get it and suffer complications and either have diminished lung capacity moving forward or, or pass away. And that's, that's a rough one to think about because these people that are passing away largely do so alone. You can talk to them through the telephone, but you can't go into the room to comfort them. Their uh, last days are torment. And to think about a loved one going through that is, is absolutely horrible. And, and that, I think, scares me the most. Outside of losing a loved one, uh, I'm very scared at the government's response right now. Whenever there's a crisis, it seems like authoritarian-leaning people in government take advantage and they do so by taking away our liberties. And that bothers me. You know, we're, we're right now, we're being told we have to stay in our homes unless we need to go out for, for doctor's visits, food, uh, or to see family. Otherwise, we're really not supposed to be out. This takes away the ability for me to assess my own um, ability willingness to accept risk as well as business owners and, and other, uh, people. Now I, I think everybody should stay home. I, I think you're an idiot if you're going out, but I think each of us need to decide that on our own. I don't think we need the government telling us. And once we allow them to tell us that, what's the next thing they're going to tell us, you know, all of a sudden we're going to be, be looking at curfews. They've, they've already done some in New Jersey, Rhode Island. The, the police were going door to door looking for people from New York to, I, I believe, kick them out. Uh, this is scary, scary stuff. The idea that the police are going to try to come into your house to see if everybody is actually from where they say they are, or if they're from somewhere else, and then they're going to take action on it. How many rights are we going to lose during this? And, and that, that scares me, not knowing the answer and realizing that every right we lose, it's, it's an extremely difficult battle to get them back. And I mean, let's look at um, 9-11, the TSA. Every year they audit the TSA, they're 90, 95% ineffective. That means that 
of everything that people try to sneak by the TSA, 5% get caught. But they make us go through these huge inconveniences. Take your shoes off, take your belts off, get this stuff x-rayed. Sir, what is this in your bag? All for a 5% effectiveness? That, that's that's horrible. And we still live with this 20 years later. We have secret courts that that the FBI, they just found out the FBI issues very faulty um reasoning to investigate people in the secret terrorist courts. Uh, we have the Patriot Act, where if the government decides you're a terrorist, you lose the right to counsel, a, a constitutionally guaranteed right you don't have access to because the government decided, well, these are uncertain times. We need to take away this right if you fit the the idea of being a terrorist. Now, define what a terrorist is. Well, they if you watch the news, anytime anybody does anything that's um, a little bit more extreme, local law enforcement says we're investigating it as terrorist act. And it doesn't matter whether or not you're you're associated with Al-Qaeda. In fact, you don't have to have any associations with any terrorist organization or radical organization at all, or even have your action be motivated by radical ideas. You could just be an asshole. Uh, But if it's extreme enough, what you do, they're going to define it as terrorism, and then you lose rights. It's how long until they decide that people over six foot tall are terrorists, you know, or people who voted for a third party? Well, that's terrorism. You know, it's it's an extreme situation. But when you start looking at how we're baby stepping, it's not long until they decide that all gun owners are terrorists. Um during the beginning of the Obama administration, the Department of Homeland Security issued a pamphlet saying that returning veterans, uh, Ron Paul supporters, and a whole host of other things were to be looked at as potential domestic terrorists. Ron Paul supporters, those are, are usually just libertarians that want to be left alone. I mean, they're not violent in most cases. They just want the government to stay out of their lives. But uh, the Department of Homeland Security in 2009 uh, viewed them as potential terrorists. So (laughs) we start looking at giving away our rights for for any reason. The government can very easily manipulate the definition to suit whatever purpose they want. And if we, the people, allow it... um, our constitutional rights will further be degraded and eventually we'll wake up with no protections against the government. And that, that scares the bejesus out of me, uh, almost more so than the, the virus. And, and the third thing I'd say is the economic impact. I'm, I'm really scared of what the, uh, what the 12 to 18 month economic impact is going to be on small business. You know, you, you myself, uh, a whole host of others, restaurants, service providers. Uh, there's a lot of small business out there. The American economy is largely made up of small business and this is killing them. You know, what is the next 12 to 18 months going to look like for us? How many of us are, are going to be lost? And during that, how many big businesses are going to step in to, to fill the mold and then through a government, I'm going on a long rant here about politics, my apologies, but once these small businesses go away, how many big businesses are going to start getting the government to expand things like occupational licensing, regulation, and other ideas in uh, you know other forms of restrictions on small business to keep them from competing against the bigger businesses. Uh, It's it's all very scary to me. My name is Brett and I'm a writer and a musician and I'm from Chicago, Illinois. I think there's a lot to be uh, scared about. 
I about four in the morning a couple nights ago I got a Facebook message from a girl I honestly almost don't even remember from high school I don't think we ever had a conversation um, we weren't friends she's been very kind to me online since she follows she supports all my comedy stuff and music and she messaged and she just said you're so happy how do you I'm so anxious all the time I can't sleep this is all so terrifying how do you handle this because it feels like you just you know kind of have it all together and <laughs> of course it was 4:30 in the morning and I was up watching Lost in Space and <laughs> A little drunk, a little high. And I just, I reply back, you know, kind of like, I'm anxious about everything. I'm anxious about the president. I'm anxious because he seems utterly, he's the utter opposite of in every way of what you'd hope to have in this scenario. He's a good times president. When things are great, you can have an idiot and a buffoon who only cares about himself up there. And I voted for the guy. So, uh, you know, I don't... (laughs) It, you know, it's like George Bush when 9-11 hits. Wrong guy to have in that place because he's a dope. He was, it was Everything was going well when he took over. It was just supposed to be this easy. You can have this guy who was a former alcoholic. So we've got that at the, you know, at the federal level sort of overseeing everything is a disaster. And that's, and it just, it rots from the head, right, is the saying. And I think, uh he to me is not the disease though and everybody thinks he's the problem with america and i think you know it's like aids when you have aids aids doesn't kill you aids weakens your immune system so much that you get a really bad disease like pneumonia or something and that kills you or the common cold kills you because your immune system is so weak and i think the thing that is terrifying me the most is i think America has AIDS. We do not have functioning systems. We have a culture that is rotten. Um, it's way too self-centered. It's way too just. It's just not prepared for this. If you look at some of the more collectivist Asian societies, and there are downsides to that and that lack of rugged individuality, but they were able to say, stay in your homes, wear a mask, go to the grocery store, stay six feet away from each other, and lo and behold, those people just did it. They respected the experts, they listened to them, and they would stay six feet apart. Americans took weeks after this hit to even start doing that. If you go to the grocery store, you will find people who just... They might stay six feet apart in line, but if they're running through the aisles, they have no problem running past you. I was at Costco. I was pausing and waiting to go down an aisle. Couldn't couldn't because people would just sort of cut in front of you. They're all in a hurry. Everybody's in a hurry. So I think culturally there, it's scary. I think the stock market is terrifying. Um, I lived through 2008. I was unemployed for a little bit in 2011 while the economy was still recovering and uh, just the idea that we have to go through four, five, six years of this slow economic recovery, again, just as terrifying from a mental health perspective because that was so straining. So I think there's just, and then it's just, you know, do you have any old people in your life? I'm terrified for my parents. I'm terrified, frankly, for anyone that ends up in one of these crowded hospitals and can't get a ventilator or can't get whatever. I mean, it is just, it's terrifying. And... Um, I think 
we're being lied to about how long this will last. So I, I think there's, there's just a million and one reasons to be anxious right now. Um, my name is Marie. I am a eyewear specialist and I am from St. Paul, Minnesota. Uh, the pandemic definitely scares me and did scare me a lot more in the beginning to a great deal because I am someone who is high risk. Um, you know, I have an autoimmune disease and I have kidney failure as someone who's in their early 30s. Um, so I, I, I dealt with a great deal of anxiety, especially in the very beginning. And I'm still dealing with a little bit of anxiety just because I, <clears throat> when you, when you're someone who is high risk or you have a chronic illness, you've already thought about your mortality in more ways than one before this even happened. So when you think about something like this, where it's a real threat to not only you, but several other people in the world. Um, it, yeah, you, you start to think about your mortality. And I'm like, I'm too young to die. I don't want to die. So I had to start taking real precautions real early, speaking to my doctor as much as possible. Is there a certain aspect that's, that's weighing on your conscious or weighing on your mind more? Outside of myself, what scares me the most is there's two different things. One, kind of understanding that right now we, we weren't prepared. A lot of countries weren't prepared. But the fact that like it seemed like we were behind by a week or two mm -hmm. and the fact that like hospitals and people who are actually fighting this for us and trying to get this like under control does not have like they do not have the equipment they need to even protect themselves um and i say that because my my roommate's a nurse and i i get to hear some of the stuff from her and it, it is scary so and then that kind of leads into you know our state and federal governments and it's scary that it feels like they're taking it seriously, obviously, and there's there's been a lot of back and forth on what needs to be done. Obviously, with a, a novel virus, they're kind of learning new stuff about it every day. Um, but the fact that like they were so slow to getting new masks manufactured, mm -hmm. that's scary, especially when we need it. Um, so that's, that's what worries me the most, because our nurses need to be protected. Anyone who is considered a essential worker right now needs to be protected. So it's, it's scary that we've been a little slow to offer those protections and get like the people who need those things, like they're still waiting on it. So on a brighter side, what are you doing to brighten your days? Brightening my days uh, by relearning French. So that there's this person I was watching on YouTube who is a polyglot. He was like, now's the perfect time to learn a language. And I'm like, you know what? That sounds like a great idea, actually. Uh, so I learned French in high school um, and I 
lost a lot of that information. So started relearning French. I'm kind of going back through the basics. It's been a great like way for me to like kind of activate my brain every morning to do a couple lessons and kind of get back into the swing of it. Um, one of my friends dropped over a mountain dulcimer at my house last week. So I want to learn how to play mountain dulcimer. That's kind of something that is crazy and kind of cool. And I want to learn some like medieval tunes on it. <laughs> if I can learn how to play this instrument. Then I play games with my friends and we still do D&D every Sunday through Google Hangouts. Uh, you said the person you're watching on YouTube is a what? A polyglot. Polyglot. What is that? So a polyglot is someone who knows how to speak at least six different languages, I think. Six? And, yeah, six. Wow. So that they can do at least conversational um, speech in six different languages or more. Like there's There's polyglots who can speak at least 11 languages, I think. And then this wow. person specifically goes into VR chat and then like talks to people of like different languages in VR chat. And it's just kind of funny to watch and really interesting. Like I'd love to be able to be that person, but let, let me start with French and <laughs> see if I can do any more than that. <laughs> uh, so on that note, uh, what would you like to say to everyone in French? To a magnifique. <laughs> no, I can't say it. I'm still learning like the basics. <laughs> I am Chris, I'm a director of photography, and I am from Chicago. Mm -hmm. Let's see. With the current pandemic that's happening, I think the thing that I fear the most is people's inability to be able to think with a higher perspective mm -hmm. in the face of panic. I think we are getting very close to a stage of uh, fight or flight response. And the closer we get to that, the less that people can start to think a little bit more uh, ahead of time or see the bigger picture, stand back from it, uh, realize that and at the end of the day, we're all a community. I feel like we're forgetting that and people are starting to just pull for themselves, whether mm -hmm. it's to hoard toilet paper or to um, not help out their neighbors, whatever it might be. I feel like we're starting to just pull for ourselves. And that's really scary to me because I feel like we're going to devolve as a species as we get closer to that. And on a lighter note of the same question, what are you doing to brighten your days? I think to brighten my days as of the last few weeks and realizing that things are getting worse and worse and worse, I realized that there's no going back to the way we were living before. And I find that extremely exciting. And it truly is inspiring to start seeing the seats of that, seeing people like you having these podcasts that are starting these conversations, thinking about all the families that are stuck at home, having to talk to one another and having to deal with trauma and the conversations they never had a chance to. Um, knowing that people that are no longer working because they can't are trying to fill up their time and entertain their minds by taking up new hobbies I find that extremely exciting and it makes me very happy to hear from friends saying like, I've been cooking every single day at home or like I've picked up painting again. That is really, really awesome. And that keeps me happy. Yeah, I'm extremely excited because I also know 
that you know like we're starting to see that dolphins are coming back into venice and different species of birds are going to different places like mother earth has been asking us for a long time to take care of her and we haven't she introduces a little virus everybody goes home a few people have to go but i think we come out of it and we're like oh yeah hey look the air is a lot cleaner the water is a lot clearer maybe we should keep this going so i'm very excited for that possibility exactly yeah My name is Sarah. I'm a visual storyteller and culinary maven, and I'm from a podunk town in Iowa. Considering the work that, I, that I'm doing, considering I'm still working and that I have a, a small business that allows me to still go in people's homes at this point, my biggest fear is um, unknowingly or inadvertently uh, carrying the disease and not knowing it and despite every precaution still somehow um affecting someone else by my by my actions with this invisible enemy what are you doing to brighten your days um well we're trying to start gardening right now and um we're our goal our plan was to plant a pepper garden and we still have not yet done that or at least started the seeds. So um, gardening always makes me happier. The weather's getting warmer, um, being outside um, and enjoying nature as much as possible because that feels like the only thing with the exception of closed parks and things like that. That seems to be the only thing that that keeps us from feeling like we're in a cage. Hi, my name is Chris. I'm from Elgin, Illinois, and I am a self-described geek, lover of life, and hopefully a good person to listen to. Um, well, number one, kind of being personally, I'm in a, uh, uh, you know, I, I am in a health compromised position, so I don't, you know, I don't obviously want to get sick and pass away from from this thing without having at least them being able to treat me in one shape or form. So I'm being really careful. Um, but I think, uh, I, I think this is a blessing. And one of the most scariest things is what's going to happen with our society, especially the American society after we get through this, because I think this is holding up a mirror directly in all of our faces and saying, this is what's right and wrong. And you need to live with that afterwards. And I think we're going to find ourselves, um, not really liking what we see. And hopefully it will make us a better, you know, it'll make us a better planet, a better species, but us as Americans will make us better people. Well, I've been thinking a lot about that, dude, the last two weeks. So, I mean, I just said, you know, I, I, I'll be honest with you, like going backwards and forwards, I, I haven't been really excited about what we do, um, what we, where we have been as a, as a society. And I think this is, you know, from all different, from all aspects, whether you have money or don't have money. I mean, I don't have any money, but you know what I'm talking about, where we can come from and, and, and how we treat people and what happens and what we assume and just rely on and how fragile it is. I think it's a big, I think this is a big one. Um, and I hope we can learn the lesson in a positive way and without people getting really hurt or anything like that. So beautifully said on the same note, uh, what are you doing to brighten your days? Um, you know what? I, we're still, we're still open at the place I work at. Um, and so just being able to get out there and help people and be there and try to be a safe place that, you know, gives other people, uh, 
you know, a break from their monotony and the things and hopefully makes their day a little bit brighter. Um, you know, I just, you know, I've, I've, I've also got to spend a lot of time with my wife. Um, even though we work together, um, it's been really good. It's been really good just for us to hang out, um, and just do some different things. And it's been, it's been pretty wonderful to kind of take a step back and not be always in the rat race and just kind of enjoy some of that. Although it's, it's scary as heck. Um, you know, I, I think we're, you know, I'm luckier than most people. So it's been good. My name is M. I am a podcaster and a homeschooler. Let's see, homeschool mom and volunteer. And I am from Chicago, Illinois. Uh, well, you know, there's a part of me that feels really guilty because I kind of love this. Um, and I feel like, uh, I was made for this moment. Like I get to be home with the two people I love the most in the world. And I have access to everyone else I love still through, like I said, through my phone or whatever. Um, and, uh, I, I, I like a lot of aspects of, of, I like that, um, you know, pollution is clearing up a little bit. I, I, you know, there's a lot I like. Um, the only thing that I am scared of is that I am high risk because I have asthma. And so we have taken extra precautions, um, because I am scared that if I get it, that I may not be able to fight it off. Um, but we have stayed we actually self-quarantined before anyone else, way before there was a shelter in place. So we've, um, you know, we've been doing this longer than, than most. Um, but, uh, you know, and we've, we've taken good precautions and I feel like we've already done uh, more than two weeks of self-quarantining. So, um, yeah, I think the thing that scares me most is that I may get it and not, and not survive or that the people that I love who are compromised, um, will, you know, will die before this is over. So you kind of already answered this, but what are you doing to brighten your days? Oh, uh, well, we're creating, thank God we're all entrepreneurs. So my, my daughter is, <laughs> um, doing her, she has a book podcast and she's been interviewing. Um, uh, I don't know what keeps dinging. Um, we have, she's been interviewing, um, uh, really big authors and, um, and that's been exciting and, uh, like best-selling authors. Um, and, uh, my husband and I are creating, um, a podcast that I'm about to be, uh, launching, uh, called Broken to Brave. Um, uh, that's a personal podcast about a journey that I took. Um, and we're um, watching really good TV and we're getting to do things like, you know, our friend is a musician in Minneapolis and he did a little concert on FaceTime. You know, uh, there are things like that that are just really making us happy and really making us feel like, um, this is really a special and we need to, we need to really be stopping and enjoying, um, what is unique about this. So you mentioned your podcast, where can people find this? It hasn't launched yet, but it will be on, um, every, everywhere. Um, all the podcast places that people, you know, listen, um, and through Southgate media group, and it is called broken to brave, broken to brave. Mm -hmm. And I did 50 brave things. 
uh, in a year. I am super intrigued by this. And then Rob and I are doing a, a companion podcast, which is what we're recording now, for each of the numbers from 1 to 50, wh- where the spouse tells his, it's also from his perspective, and what led to that, why that most so mom- monumentous, you know, momentous, why that was such oh a big deal. So anyway. I love this. Yeah, thank you. My name is Potato Johnson. I am an IT business analyst, and I am from Crystal Lake, Illinois. Mostly, not so much even the fact that, you know, you could contract this thing, because for the most part, I'm fairly healthy, and, you know, if I get it, it's going to suck, but I'm probably not going to be, you know, one of the ones who ends up on a respirator and all that crap. I think the scariest part, are the moron millennials and Gen Zers on spring break. Um, I don't know if you saw there was a, uh, there was a news report where they're interviewing all these morons down in, uh, in like Fort Lauderdale or something like, Oh dude, man, this is totally ruining my vacation. And then they like showed a, an infographic of how like three people having the virus could basically spread it all over the country. And like, it just doesn't bode well for, because this isn't going to be the last uh, pandemic. This is actually the first of many, in my opinion, because I kind of look at the planet as it's, it's a living thing and we're a virus. So global warming is just the planet getting a a fever and it's going to come up with more and more of this shit to kill us off. And, you know, if, as long as we got these, these moron entitled, idiots out there it's there's just no hope for the human race what are you doing to brighten your days during this time period um my days aren't so dark i'm home i don't have to take a shower if i don't want to until noon my kid and my wife are home with me we can eat dinner every night go for a walk honestly i mean there's there's not much that needs to be brightened it's it the virus kind of did it for me it sounds like you're taking the whole situation as kind of like a finding the best grain of sand on the beach. Oh, hell yeah. It's, uh, I mean, sh- certainly there are things that suck, but you know what? I, I, I kind of, I saw an article, which I thought was great talking about how Gen Xers are, are faring in this whole thing. And it's kind of like, yeah, we've been practicing for this for years. We're like the first generation of latchkey kids. So we were home by ourselves all the time. We got used to playing video games, listening to music. Our entire aesthetic was depression and avoiding other people. And now we're kind of like, we're going to run this shit. And we're back to the lawnmower. (laughs) I think it's important for me to say this, especially in times like this. It's okay to just be okay. And it's okay to not be okay. Reach out to friends and family. Talk to people. Express your feelings, your concerns. And if you need help, please reach out. If you're feeling signs of depression, don't hesitate to call someone and ask for help. Reach out to the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. They are absolutely amazing people. Their phone number is 1-800-273-8255. 
there are people there wanting to listen and wanting to help. This podcast is not sponsored by the National Suicide Prevention Hotline, but it is something I believe in. And for anyone out there who does need to hear this, I really hope it helps. Because remember, we're all in this together. And at least for me, once that really sank in, it really started to help. Do you have a story or a concern or a worry about the COVID-19 era that we're living in? Send me an email or a voice recording to behindeverystory at gmail.com. I'd love to play it on the next episode. Thank you so much for joining us here on Behind Every Story. If you like what you heard, please consider subscribing on your favorite podcast streaming app or sharing our podcast with your friends and family or, like always, just a random person. When you're in a grocery store, let them know about this awesome show and then do a little dance with them, even if it's six feet away. Be sure to like and follow us on Facebook at Behind Every Story Podcast to stay up to date on all our new episodes. And you can always find us on BehindEveryStory.com. Great storytellers make the world a smaller and more intimate place. A great, big, huge thanks to all the storytellers out there, big and small. And thank you so much to all our guests this week. Al, Brett, Bob, Brandon, Chris, Chris, Daniel, John, Lauren and Ryan, M, Mark, Marie, Michael, Potato Johnson, Rob, Sarah, Stella, Sean and Zach. I'm your storyteller, Jason Osterkamp, and it's been a pleasure sitting around the campfire with you. Join us again next time when we discuss, in a real apocalyptic situation, do you think you would honestly survive? I'm excited to hear some answers. See you next time on Behind Every Story.